This is Gotham TV Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're back in Gotham to chat about the new movie, The Batman. The hell are you supposed to be? I'm vengeance. I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lord Taylor, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, fellow Gothamites. Yes, we are finally back here to chat about the new movie, The Batman by Matt Reeves. I am one of your vengeful hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Welcome back, Gothamites. How good is that to say, John? Exactly. Really good. <laughs> I guess you're slightly less vengeful then. Um, I am vengeance. Oh, you're vengeance? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> it's really nice to be back with our go- fellow Gothamites. It's been a while. It has, yes. Uh, Pennyworth we have been doing um, yep. seasons one and two mm-hmm. uh, since the end of Gotham, the yep. TV show. And the occasional... DC um, movies that mm-hmm. have come out, um, including all the previous Batmans. That's right. Uh, for sure. But yes, we are here talking about the Batman, dark, broody, and uh, noir. <laughs> yes, definitely noir. Definitely noir. Uh, as John mentioned, if you haven't heard any of our podcasts before, we started out eight years ago as Gotham TV Podcast. We're now TV Podcast Industries. That's where you're probably getting this feed. Uh, but we've discussed all five seasons of the TV show Gotham, interviewed most of the cast of that show, covered lots of Batman movies, including the Dark Knight trilogy, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, the Justice League, the animated movie Batman Year One. And most recently, as John mentioned, we have covered both seasons of Pennyworth that are available now. Uh, both of them are now available on uh, HBO Max in the US in preparation for season three of Pennyworth, which of course we'll be covering over here on Gotham TV Podcast or Gotham on TV Podcast Industries. Never sure how best to, how best to say that. Absolutely. And <laughs> um, let's just go with the flow, whatever yeah. comes to mind. But please subscribe to the podcast by heading on over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can choose any of your Batman or Riddler-esque uh, podcast cat Mm-hmm. of your choice uh, you can also uh, send in feedback on all things dc all things gotham and batman to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com yeah and we are over on facebook as well head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tv podcast industries yes please please do we are a little later than we normally would be covering uh, a batman related movie aren't we john um, yes, but yeah. uh, life has gotten in the way in a good way. In a good way, yes. My family were visiting from America for the first time in four years, and my nephew is a massive comic book movie fan and asked specifically could his uncles, John and Derek, go to the cinema with him to watch The Batman. So we held off for a week, went to see it at 9.30 at night <laughs> uh, in the in, in City World in Dublin. Um Quite late to see a three-hour movie, um, especially because his uncles are quite old. John and Eric are, are in our forties. Speak 40s. for yourself. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't expecting that I'd be able to uh, to make it through a full three-hour movie, but this was a really good film. Yes, definitely was. Yeah. Um, really in the wheelhouse of detective comics, uh, especially Absolutely. emphasizing the detective. It yeah. really felt like um, 
detective movie uh, in such a good way yeah. uh, and really lends into uh, the mob, into the GCPD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you name it, it really was um, dark and gritty. I it did really like was. it a yeah. lot, the aesthetic. Yeah, it was great to see it with the whole family. It's very unusual that I have uh, our whole adult family together to go to the cinema t- to see a movie. And it was a, a good one to choose. Definitely. Um, and the straw poll afterwards uh, amongst the whole group mm-hmm. uh, was definitely a big thumbs up. Really enjoyed uh, the movie. Yeah. And, and certainly um, it was more just the the heat of the cinema. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the lateness of the night. Yeah, And the lateness of the night. Yeah. But everyone seem to really really enjoy it so yeah. we hope uh, fellow gothamites you have been to see the batman mm-hmm. and um you really really enjoyed it as well because we are going to get into our spoiler filled discussion mm-hmm. of the batman Derek, what are some of the details for The Batman? Oh, I, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> the movie was directed by Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves, probably best known for his work on Cloverfield, Let Me In, Dawn and Rise of Planet of the Apes. You know, that is some pedigree of movies. I think I've liked every single one of those movies when I saw them. And I think I've seen every one of them in the cinema as well. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, really... Got a great uh, CV here yeah. in, in the movie world, for Def- sure. Definitely. And as writer of the movie, obviously, this is his um, his concept brought to life. Um, also written by Peter Craig, um, the second writer on this movie. Uh, he start- got a start on the excellent Boston-based movie, The Town, with previous Batman, Ben Affleck. Yes. It's all getting very Batman-y. It is, it is. Uh, so he's done so many movies since then. He's, he's also uh, did the finale movies for the um, Hunger Games Mockingbird Part 1 and 2. That was uh, two other big movies that he's worked on and worked on many other big movies in the past. But really, really interesting to get a brand new take on the Batman 4 cinema here. From, uh, from Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. But always want to call out Batman created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane 80 years ago. So the, char- the character's been around for such a long time, but great to get another new take. Uh, movie starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, Jeffrey Wright, Andy Serkis, and Peter Sarsgaard. Great cast as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really top-notch stuff here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, let's get into it, John. Do you want to give us the official... Gotham TV podcast synopsis for The Batman. Sure. It's Halloween and Batman is two years into his Gotham project. He can't be everywhere, but the criminals don't know where he will be. Lieutenant James Gordon aids the Batman by shining his symbol in the sky and using their fear of the Batman against them. A new serial killer murders Mayor Mitchell and exposes his lies and ties to the criminal community. Nicknamed the Riddler, he leaves cards addressed to the Batman at his crime scenes and his elaborate puzzles lead the Batman to confront his true motivation and the sins of his father. Do you know, I'm impressed at how simple the story was after thinking back on the movie. You know, it is a three-hour movie, and, and you do feel it. it it's a long film it with a, long a film. good exploration of the character. But when you think about the overall concept of the movie it is a simple story of the batman finding his place two years now into his vengeance on the criminals of gotham definitely definitely i mean i think i would say the length of the movie comes about because of it being so immersive in the world yes. so 
that there's just a lot of um, establishing of this world again, you know, a recreation of it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, we always have this conversation about Gotham being one of the characters. Yeah. Um, But I felt that, you know, there was that immersion into the city of Gotham. I sure agree, yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, and it really just looking at a, a decaying city and mm-hmm. um, a, a city with its troubles, a city with its hope, a city um, of dark and light. I mean, it really did because of all the rain mm-hmm. um, and, and the, the, the general sort of subdued feeling of the streets and avenues of, of Gotham. I really got a sense of that immersion in the same way that Seven actually immerses yeah. the viewer in this this city that you have Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt investigating the murders. Yeah. And here it, it, it felt very similar within that vein. You get not only is it this detective tale um, across the, the running time of this movie, mm-hmm. but it's an immersion into this world and... It's mechanics, it's nuts and bolts, and I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree, and uh, what really aided it was, it was a very rainy and windy night in Dublin uh, when we watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think about points and quiet points in the movie, you could hear the rain outside, which kind of combined into the movie to make this full 4D experience. Which was thing. really, really weird, because <laughs> I was thinking, is this in the movie, yeah, yeah. or is this the rain hitting the the roof of the cinema it was so so heavy the rain yeah absolutely let's just talk about that kind of opening sequence as well in gotham the kind of establishing moment in gotham where you have the voiceover of the batman talking about his project talking about his idea of how he's taking down the criminals i really really like this you know it's he's one man he's one man who puts on a mask and goes out to stop criminals i love the setup of it showing three different types of criminality in the city where you have uh one guy holding up a shop to get some money you have other guys spray painting the walls and um and then you have a group that are attacking people um randomly um they they show a video of this group on a train where they've punched someone in the face in a park which is a yeah. real incident that ha- that was happening in new york i think back in the 90s there was a or maybe even later than that where people were scared to walk in central park because at night you could randomly get punched in the face effectively so uh, they brought this into the story and then then the Batman saying, well, I can't be everywhere. I'm only one man. But if I can give them the impression that I could be after any of these type of criminals, then they will all be scared. They will all fear for their lives. Um, so that combined with the bat signal coming up, which leads all these criminals to go, oh, he could be coming after but me. That, that was, re- yeah, absolutely. It was so well done. Just, you know, the criminal holding up the shop, being afraid to go down the dark alley in yeah. case he's there and effectively backing into the traffic and being knocked down. Yeah. You have the graffiti uh, being sprayed on one of the public buildings and the spray can yeah. just goes into the doorway, which is dark, and he won't go after it. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, you then see the Batman coming to the aid of uh, a passenger uh, on the the transit system mm-hmm. that's being attacked by this this gang and yeah. so yeah it, it was a really nice uh, little concept to his use of fear yeah. as a deterrent for um 
all manner of criminals. Because he is the shadows. Yes. yes. Yeah. I also like what they took from the games and from the comics as well. These uh, these criminal gangs in Gotham all painting their faces in different ways or wearing masks in different ways. You see that the criminal who's who's holding up the shop is wearing a mask over his head, like a Halloween mask. It is on Halloween, of course. Yeah. Um, but he is wearing the Halloween mask of the drug that's pervading through Gotham as well. Yes. So all setting that up. The criminals on the train all having their faces painted um, to show they're part of the gang. And the guy who's being initiated into the gang wearing half of that face, showing that he's not a full member yet yes. yeah. until he attacks this innocent um passenger of the train then he will become a full initiate uh, into this gang but i love that this is how they build up the mythos of batman in this world of gotham it was really 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 great setup at the beginning of this movie yeah definitely it it was really nice little sort of lead in to to this movie for sure yeah Yeah. well we talk about the batman in there in our first kind of general point itself because Another new Batman here. We've had Batman played by many, many actors over the years. Bruce Wayne played by many actors over the years. We've talked about him many, many times. There's a big difference with Robert Pattinson's Batman in this movie. His big difference really is Bruce Wayne doesn't seem to exist in no. his world. Um, he, he calls out very early in the beginning of, of the movie that he spent his his nights being nocturnal being out in the streets as batman over and over again you don't get the feeling there's much of bruce wayne left to this character at the at the opener here no not at all i mean it it really is that bruce wayne as a person who lives in gotham is a total recluse yeah and the the persona of batman in terms of what he does at night but then what he needs to do during the day in terms of all the detective work and Mm -hmm. investigations for his activities at night have effectively removed Bruce Wayne from society and the societal life of this city. And you get that as well with the relationship with Alfred as well. Yeah. um, Where Alfred is really, you, you need to go out as Bruce Wayne that you you are you still exist you mm. know he is trying to push um Bruce Wayne away from purely the batman because there is that notion of the consumption of this persona um where when we see Bruce Wayne out of the costume he's almost non-functioning yeah. um yeah. within society at least even when he does go to one of the the funeral and memorial services of the mayor who has been killed at the start Mm -hmm. and even with alfred there is it's less about this team yes and more about alfred picking up and helping him him with the work but ultimately there's a lot of talking too and trying to carouse order and you know force him to do things as bruce wayne not as batman so it's a really kind of interesting dynamic here Uh, yeah because it's not the it it doesn't feel warm in the sense that you sense alfred is looking after him absolutely and you know that it's coming from a place of love caring Mm -hmm. uh, and filling that void of the loss of Bruce Wayne's parents, but it's almost like it's not reciprocated from, from Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne oh, seems very, much very so. detached, yeah. very um, 
very goth, actually. Well, and, absolutely. To be honest, yeah. but well, he does live in Gotham. Yes, he does, but <laughs> very detached. Yeah. And so it's almost that Alfred's personality, him being in the real world, is not reciprocated because the Batman has become all-consuming for Bruce Wayne yeah. to the detriment of any kind of relationships that he has, any kind of love life that he could possibly have, mm -hmm. any kind of life within society of Gotham. Yeah. And I thought that was really kind of good. I liked the detachedness of that because um, actually it allowed the film just to really focus on the Batman. Yeah. And, you know, give the flavor of this detachment from from society yeah even though he is working for the good of society but it, yeah. it's a it's a it's a single purpose absolutely you kind of feel that weight and the pressure that's on the batman you know as, as i said earlier on this idea that he is just one man he can't be everywhere so but he feels like he has to stop all crime in gotham he feels like he still has to do something so he he's using this idea of fear and vengeance to um intimidate all of the criminals in Gotham, even though he can't go after every one of them. But you're right, that it's a very different relationship that we've seen between Bruce and Alfred. Um, over the years, we've seen him as a very supportive character um, all the way through Gotham. He is a father figure to Bruce. Here, it's very clear that they've had that conversation many times, that, yeah. uh, that Bruce has told him he's not his father. Um, Alfred was never in a position to be his father. He never wanted to have kids. You know, we've we've talked about him on Pennyworth. He's a very independent character in there, and you're kind of wondering how he gets himself into this position of being a father figure. But in this case, he's not a father figure to Bruce. He's a person that taught him and trained him yeah. and worked with him. But Bruce is constantly rejecting him as his father. He's not looking at him for that kind of support. And I think it kind of makes sense as Definitely. for this yeah. situation. It's it's almost been imposed on Alfred Pennyworth to be his father because he has no father and mother after they get killed. But Alfred's there to take that responsibility on. But he's not trained as a father. He's not a person that would expect to be a father figure. No, he's had no experience yeah. as an of himself in, yeah. in fatherhood. But I, I think, it, you know, it is that... That's the great thing about the relationship and dynamic between Alfred and Bruce Wayne and the Batman yeah. in, in this threesome is that you can look at that story around the more paternal side of Alfred and what he brings to that relationship. Yeah. But also the, the, the pure nuts and bolts and technicalities of Alfred effectively supporting Bruce Wayne in the choice that he's made to become a vigilante detective here. Yeah. Uh, and training him, supporting him with the analysis yeah. uh, and keeping his secrets. So, I mean, I, I really, really like that. And I think in this movie, the Batman is the great detective. It is mm -hmm. that storyline. You really got the sense of, you know, what a number of shows actually, including Gotham that we covered, had promised, but that it is a detective story. Mm -hmm. At its heart, this first and movie. foremost, absolutely. First and foremost, in terms of investigating the deaths of these prominent figures in the local politics yeah. and their links to and um, the underbelly of of Gotham and what that means, yeah, and and the motivations ultimately of uh, the the Riddler. So that to me was fantastic because some of the 
greatest Batman comics are detective comics. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, that is it is the what what the comic company that produces the books is called, and it feels exactly like that's that's where it all comes from. It, it this Batman feels very different, I think, from any of the Batman we have seen on screen before. At least in in live action movies, we have seen this version, the world's greatest detective. We have seen him uh, in games. We've seen him in, in comic books before, uh, but not very much in the live action movies. And I think by removing the personality of Bruce Wayne from the movie, uh, for the most part, it does feel like you're getting a Batman that is singularly focused on tracking down this new serial killer in Gotham. Yeah, um, and and which it's, I think is really it's, cool. it's flagged right at the start at that metro station where he says i am vengeance yes you know it from the start it is about vengeance for the death of his parents and and it's uncompromising in that stance yeah you see uh from robert patterson's version of of the batman yeah it's what drives him it's what just pushes him ever onwards to yeah. the detriment of anything else uh, in his life, really. Absolutely. And two things I like about that. Uh, one, we watched The Batman by Tim Burton um, last week, and this scene is actually a replication of the opening introduction of Batman from the, his, his Batman movie, where he has a criminal uh, held up dead to rights, effectively, and the criminal goes, who are you? In that version, Michael Keaton responds, I'm Batman. Here, he responds, I'm Vengeance. So he doesn't even say his name as Batman. And the second thing I love about it is the running joke with Catwoman for for the rest of it. Effectively, taking the piss out of Batman, going, um, (laughs) saying, okay, Vengeance, come on over and and we'll meet up kind of thing. She keeps calling him Vengeance rather than Batman, which I think is really funny that she's poking a little fun at how serious he is about this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, So love love that in here. Uh, Two other little points on the Batman for me. I will call out that even though he has a really bad relationship with Alfred, there is a moment when Alfred is in serious danger later on. You can see that caring nature of Bruce Wayne coming out a little bit in this movie. You don't get very much of Bruce Wayne in the movie, but he do, he is yeah. really, really concerned that he's put Alfred in the way of harm, which is something that you do see from the other versions of their relationship in the past. I think there's a an essence here that we will see build out if Matt Reeves does another set of Batman movies, which hopefully he will do, we will see their relationship build out as uh, as Bruce kind of realizes how much Alfred's done for him, in, for him in the past. And one other thing, Bruce Wayne here is an a-hole. Like he's, he is absolutely yes. a, a really dark version of his character. Nobody could be friends with this Bruce Wayne. We don't see him as being the playboy billionaire that we saw in Christian Bale's performance of the character or in Michael Keaton's performance the character in fact he goes to a club and people look at him and go who are you again yeah whereas the bruce wayne billionaire that we've seen in the past everybody in gotham knows his face so yes, yes. Uh, so that's a lot of the difference here yeah. in, our, in our bruce wayne uh, john anything else on the batman yeah i think it's also just you know the, the, there's not the unlike say maybe nolan where i think nolan was justifying a lot of the tech and stuff being used here by mm-hmm. the batman and then that was great yep. you know there isn't really anything like that here. You know, yeah. there is his suit very much feels like it can, is not only just bulletproof, yep. but it dissipates the, the blast as well. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on the, the gun being pointed at him better uh, at times than, than other times. And yeah. I, it feels like there's a little, you know, a bit of picking up on the, uh, 
dispersive energy absorbing tech that was shown in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes, actually, and, yeah, I caught that. You know, yeah. and so, but I, I like that. You know, there is a sense he, he he uses gadgets as kind of a stun thing on his arm. Yeah. He's got the 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 grappling hook and, and so on. But I actually feel as though. It's a little dialed back, and I like that. Um, In the same way, I think his vehicles feel dialed back. I mean, you think of the tank that was the Batmobile Mm -hmm. in uh, Christopher Nolan's story and with the Batpod. Um, Here, the bikes and the the car Mm -hmm. are very sleek, seem almost fragile in terms of being able to deal with any blasts, but but aren't. And, And I loved the Bat. Mobile here, and the 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 engine, oh, the, the grunt yeah. of it was just phenomenal. But even in the that s- chase, yeah, uh, uh, with where it's chasing down Penguin. But even um, that really squeal good. of the engine when it's when it's uh, warming up, when it's being yeah. introduced, that <laughs> yeah. scream of it almost yeah. is something that would strike a little bit of fear into the heart of of your villain that you're chasing down. Uh, the one that reminded me of was uh, the muscle car in Jack Reacher. Yes, um, the that scene, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit later on, the, the scene where he's chasing down the penguin, it felt really realistic. It felt like he was driving a muscle car here, not a tank, uh, yeah. which is able to crash everything out of the way. Um, it feels something really different for the Batmobile. And Batmobile is always really important in these uh, in these movies. What, what way have you got it? What way does it feel for the character of the Batman? This Matt Reeves version of the Batman is a much more grounded character again, which we always thought when you look back in the Dark Knight trilogy, grounded was the way that we always described that version of Batman. And here again, Matt Reeves stripping it back even further to a more realistic, a character that if you had money at your disposal, you could probably build this version of the Batman again, you know, which I like as as his take on it. Yeah. And and not really any notion of Wayne Enterprises here either. Uh, Just very small mention of that side of Bruce Wayne as well. Yeah, it feels like Alfred's kind of running that on his behalf. He keeps yes. saying to him, you know, you never turn up to the meetings. He has to organize a breakfast meeting in Wayne Manor to try and get Bruce to be at a be at a meeting. Yeah. There is Wayne Tower there. We we have we do see that in the movie. There is uh, there there is this whole organization of Wayne Enterprises is there, but it feels like Bruce has stepped completely away from it because he's focusing on the Batman persona. Yes, and Alfred definitely. seems to be covering for him all the time. And no Wayne Manor either. It is, well, at least not in this movie. It, we have Wayne Tower. It's mm-hmm. right in the heart of Gotham. Yeah, still very gothic. Um, but the 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 Batcave seems to be under the city. Yes, and much more industrial as yeah. well. Um, like an old goods yard that or underground goods tunnel. Yeah, that is abandoned and has been re- retrofitted for the purposes. Of the Batman. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's really, really, really interesting and different take on the Batman here. I'm sure this is the Batman. We will talk about the Batman and other points and his relationship to other yeah. characters. But will we move on to the other major character in this movie, John? Yes, the Riddler mm. um, and his motivation. Yes. I mean, just first off, that opening sequence where he is viewing the mayor and then coming into his apartment mm-hmm. through the skylight and just being in the the background in the shadow watching the mayor who's currently in a, a mayoral election yeah that was 
really good thriller. Um, it's proper and, creepy. Yeah. It was very creepy. Yeah. It it was really on the button. I love that. It gave the sense of just the the danger from this character. Mm-hmm. You know, very methodical understands why they're doing what they're doing and going after these corrupt politicians and uh, public servants. And I love the aesthetic with the the hood Mm. over his head, the the kind of green tone to it, but also how um, the glasses are over the outside of the hood, uh, which when you see... um, him unmasked later on and he's got those glasses that you know that that was just a real like great little costume touch that he has to wear his glasses over the top of the hood (laughs) uh but really nicely sort of a nice look there to the riddler absolutely but it works so well in that opening scene with mayor mitchell in his house as he's watching the news and all you see is the glass his glasses reflect the light of the room you just see two spots of light in the background really really well hidden and it's it's that scary element that is taken from um silence of the lambs i think that that, that idea that someone's watching on at oh, all absolutely. times you have no impression that they're there it's not like you get that jump scare moment with mitchell when he realizes that the riddler's behind him he never realizes and gets hit over the head yeah there's also an element of him that this is a an untrained killer in um edward nashton yeah, this, this character he he hits the mayor a few times killing him but he drops the it's the very influence. visceral it, mm. it's very much it's almost like a panic attack um on the mayor it's, it's uh, planned, not i don't but, mean a panic attack in terms of you know him having a panic yeah, attack but yeah. it's just the, as the attack goes it, it's the panic of not having done this before yes and him having to just really make sure that he lands the the fat the first clout and to yeah. make sure that he has taken out the the mayor because actually if it comes to an actual face to face fight he's not entirely sure whether he'll be able to finish the job you know yeah. it's like I've got to get this done in one go otherwise I might not be able to do it exactly and I really like that feeling actually the other thing as I'm saying where he is viewing the mayor in his apartment Mm -hmm. and i i like the nod where we see that again but it's actually the batman looking at uh selena kyle in her apartment yeah and i I, to begin with i was thinking oh is this the riddler Mm -hmm. um is, is this edward nashton looking at uh selena here um and it it just I guess it, it coalescing towards the idea of uh, the Riddler using the Batman here needs the Batman to be a part of his investigation because as he says at the end, you know, I don't have the brawn, I don't have the muscle, mm-hmm. I needed you for that. Um, I have the brains, I led you to this point. So yes, exactly. really, I, I love that. And I mean, it's always why I've enjoyed the Riddler because he does... It it is that nerd. It it is mm-hmm. that um the the way he has to work around his limitations of effectively not being particularly um strong yeah. and using 
the world in which he lives in to his his will purely by manipulation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you're right. The echoes throughout the movie um, that are leading Bruce Wayne, Batman, to question himself, you know, that the echoes of Edward Nash and how he is in this world of Gotham, how he feels he's delivering his vengeance on the people of Gotham that yeah. he feels are in the wrong, the liars, the cheats, the people with ties to the underworld. It's similar to Batman. It's, exactly. a, it's a similar story. There's even just a touch of after the death of Mayor Mitchell when Batman's called in to kind of consult. He's told that his son is the one that found him, that Mayor Mitchell's son is the one that's found him. And you can see a great look from Batman of, well, that's kind of how I started. That's where I began was me being at the death crime scene of my parents and this is the vengeance that i that i came up with you know so he's always considering his position in this world of gotham definitely and i love that i love that rather than showing thomas and martha wayne being shot and all that mm-hmm. flashback again it's done through the acknowledgement of another kid being in the same position exactly. as him exactly i really really enjoyed that yeah. i thought it was a great way of bringing it in in a different way, really fresh, not just simply showing that again, as you've seen it done so many times. So that was really excellent here. And also just with it, because you say, because the Riddler effectively and and what the Riddler is doing and what Batman is doing are the same Mm -hmm. other than possibly the killing from the Riddler. Yeah. It's that, Edward Nashen thinks that the Batman will be on his side uh, through this. And on the 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 moment where they're face to face at the GCPD mm-hmm. once uh, the Riddler has been captured and Bruce Wayne as Batman just totally quashes that notion yeah. with Edward Nashton. And you see him just screaming out, you know, the incomprehensible idea that what he's doing to root out corruption, show these criminal links between the mobsters and the elected politicians, mm-hmm. the 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 lies that are being propagated um, through through the renewal program mm-hmm. brought by Thomas Wayne. You know, in a sense, it it gives. A sympathetic notion to what the Riddler is doing here. Yeah, he's just going about it the wrong way, and that's kind of yeah. that's kind of where the strength of the script from Matt Reeves come from. It is about I get the concept, I get the idea. He's effectively traced the entire history of corruption in Gotham all the way back to the founding families of Gotham, the Arkham family and the Wayne family. Yeah, he's tracing it all the way back there and kind of saying this city can't work the way it is because. The person at the heart of resolving it, the person who created this project renewal, which was Thomas Wayne, has been indebted to the crime of this city for many years. He's been hidden by the criminals of this city for many years, so he's tied right into it as well. Can we talk about that plot, that that yeah. overall concept, I suppose, of what's going on here, This the trail that Batman is following, that Edward Nashton's leaving down for him? Um because it is really interesting, and it is in comic books, it is in, in video games as well. They've taken this idea that Thomas Wayne is not beyond reproach. He's not the kind of hero that Bruce is living up to. Bruce's innocent ideal of his father when he was eight years old and his father was killed, his innocent ideal that his father was someone that was there to save the city of Gotham. Um, 
is shattered here by Edward Ashton saying that actually his father used the criminal element for his benefit as well when it was going to be revealed the history that he had his uh, his wife Martha's mental illness the, the connection that he has to the underworld when all of that was going to be revealed effectively his, his father called in a hit now it is brushed over a little bit when we have that conversation between the Batman and Falcone. Falcone says to him, your father asked me to take care of it, so I did, which means he chose to murder the journalist who'd found out all of this yeah. information about Thomas Wayne. It feels like Thomas didn't send a hit out on the guy, but he got what he was expecting, I suppose. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. It With Falcone as well, you know, Falcone has... Um, you know, is grateful for, to Thomas as well, be saving his life yeah. uh, when he he's shot, and it, it, it's that interconnections, the meshing of polite society with the criminal underbelly, yeah. even the renewal project. That you know, it's this huge charitable foundation which yeah. ultimately all the corrupt people are skimming off and yeah. using to clean money or to pay for their lifestyles mm -hmm. and that it's not simply going into um you know the the areas that it is required in gotham and it, it's to the point that nothing's really getting better i mean exactly. actually when you put the two aside it's almost like batman's is the sticking plaster over a graping wound yeah and what edward nashton is trying to do here is to get to the root cause of why Gotham is just descending into chaos, exactly. criminality, and that, you know, innocent people can't actually feel safe and go about their lives. And yeah. again, it, it's, it's that real big contrast between the two mm -hmm. and almost the, 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 the dichotomy of, of it that, Actually, the person who ends up in Arkham Asylum mm -hmm. is, yes, I'm not saying he's not crazy. I'm not saying he, his methods are wrong. But the person ending up in prison and behind bars and in the mental asylum at mm -hmm. Arkham is the person who is trying to do ultimately what you could argue, you know, the shining politician um, is looking to do. Um, uh Bella Real, the other mayoral candidate. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it's just his methods are all just different. Yeah, she's effectively attacking the the concept of Project Renewal, saying it's never worked. It's been there for twenty years, and yeah. nothing's getting better. We now have a masked vigilante walking the streets, beating up criminals because this. And he can't cope with the amount of crime happening. Exactly, and and because this project isn't working, so. Um, it's a it's a good a good analogy that you have there that he's trying to effectively rip the plaster off, which is Batman. He's trying to say to him, "You need to think about this in a different way." Everything that's been going on in the city has been controlled by this group of people who are skimming off Project Renewal and had been working with your father beforehand. Even the current mayor, the reason why he's in power is because he took down Sal Maroney, but actually Sal Maroney was a fall guy for Falcone. He uh, he took him out, put everything on Sal Maroney, and put him in prison so again love that mob stuff we saw that a lot in the first couple of seasons of gotham it does feel like a lot of those great comic books from the 80s where we had the mob bosses being really heavily involved in yeah. the storyline of batman and the formation of gotham um and by the end of the movie hey there's no real mob bosses left except for penguin uh, all the major mob bosses are dead now and gone from the city so we're in that similar position that we were 
third season of Gotham, I think, when we yeah. had lost all of the mob, and now we just had those crazier vigilantes yeah. out there. And, and, and we have, uh, you know, Edward Nashton, uh, his background as well, is a forensic accountant. So he's he's followed the money mm-hmm. in terms of figuring out what is going on, the links between um, the different levels of society mm-hmm. and the the notion of the fall guy that is Moroni and the rat that is Falcone yep. in terms of ratting out uh, Moroni, uh, but all just a cover yeah. for maintaining the status quo around Project Renewal. Yeah. So it's really good. And I think, you know, that that confrontation of that idea as well um, that we see in the prison, because... Edward Nashon does go after Bruce Wayne because him because he is the progeny of mm-hmm. um of Thomas and Martha. He whether he attends or not is still, you know, controlling interests in Wayne Enterprises. Exactly. It is part and connected in with this project renewal mm-hmm. and he's going after Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And that confrontation where he just starts shouting Bruce Wayne's name and oh, yeah. Batman is there and you're just wondering, does he know that Bruce Wayne is Batman, the person there? I, mm-hmm. It was more really so, good. But more so Batman himself is going, is looking at yeah, exactly. this, this guy it's on the other side blow. going, this guy is really smart. Has he already worked out that I'm Bruce Wayne? Is that is that what's happened here? Um, I really like this. And it was a great question from my nephew after we came out of the cinema where he was kind of going, why did... Why did the Riddler just sit waiting for Batman in the coffee shop? Why did he wait for the police to pick him up in the coffee shop? Um, and when you're when you're watching the movie, you're wondering, is his plan to take everything down? No, he wants to now work with the Batman. He's gotten to the yeah. point where he's revealed and exposed everything that he needs to reveal and expose. And now it's time to take everybody down. And he needs the muscle of Batman. He feels he's on his side. Paul Dano in this scene, I think, is fantastic in this in this moment. His, yes, his jittery... Um, high-functioning, very intelligent character comes across really, really well when paired against Batman here. And again, another almost trope of Batman movies. You can say that now with Batman movies. There are certain tropes. There's been so many versions of Batman, but that that moment where you have Batman facing off against his villain in a prison cell, effectively. Um, I love these moments where you just have them talking in a cell. In uh, in Dark Knight, the most the biggest Batman movie before this, it was him in a cell with yeah. the Joker and losing his cool with him. Here, he feels like he's been exposed. He feels like he's been found out by the Riddler. But when he realizes he's not and realizes Edward Nashon feels like Batman should be on his side, and then he cuts that down instantly. The idea that he would inspire someone like the Riddler to come out of the woodwork and use his intelligence to take down the criminal underworld, and that would be the inspiration that Batman would leave behind, is the turning point for his character. And when he tells him no, the absolute primal scream that comes from the Riddler, who has been setting this up for such a long time, is fantastic. The the idea that he's just at this final hurdle has fallen, and that's the end of his plot, at the end of his plan. He does still have another big plot to take out all of Gotham, which is still going to play out, but he believed he was going to be on the right side of things. He was on the side of the Batman. He thought he had an ally in Batman, and Mm. Batman was absolutely understand what he's done yeah and maybe the batman does but not how he's done it and yeah. that's 
the point. Or, I mean, it's it's, it's difficult to know because I, I, you wonder whether this would be brought up in, in a second film, mm-hmm. you know, to connect in, you know, because with the Batman, it's that realization of what his father is and how he has enabled it. Maybe he's not always been as deep in the muck mm-hmm. um, as other public figures, uh, entrepreneurs and businessmen and yeah. so on with the criminal underworld. But it's that Thomas Wayne is no white knight here. He is yeah. not clean of any of this and has enabled it. Exactly. And kept it enabled, hasn't spoken the truth to that power yeah. like we have seen in Christopher Nolan's version or... Yeah. or um earlier versions you know yeah so that's that's the thing that's really interesting here well wayne enterprises is still facilitating this project renewal and has been for 20 years without questioning where it came from where the funds are going to um you know it it almost is that pushback to bruce wayne going maybe if you had concentrated on your business we wouldn't be here now as a city maybe if you hadn't just stuck on a mask and got out and punched criminals in the face and you had looked at the finances looked at the money uh, maybe we could have sorted this out and we couldn't be in a place where gotham is now and that's why bruce the the target is set on bruce wayne by the riddler yeah i I think the other big thing here around edward nashton and the riddler is ultimately as well is he you know, Edward Nashton, that is that other version of the Riddler. Or, yes. you know, there's Edward Nigma as well. Is he actually the Riddler? Oh, is yes. Is he actually that? Because theory time, yes. There is, <laughs> you know, so the question or the theory is mm. whether Edward Nashton in this movie, you know, is the version that we see as Tommy Elliot in The Hush, this breaking down the 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 barriers of the public servants the business people the philanthropists uh-huh. um with the criminal underworld because you know there is references they kept me hushed um there is also that final scene where um edward nashton is in arkham asylum mm-hmm. and there is the 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 prisoner in the cell next to him Mm. Who ultimately says, "Riddle me this." He does, and um, I know there is the laugh at the end, and so then I was going, "Is that manic enough for it to be the Joker?" Uh-huh. But in a f- the first instance, that character is congratulating this person for the you know the riddle trails that have gone through Absolutely. this this whole movie, and that that's a really good you know first curtain call. You know, let's mm-hmm. move on to act to and riddle me this so is is edward nashon here the riddler um in this world or is he the tommy elliott in this world yeah yeah tommy, tommy elliott in, in comic books was a childhood friend of bruce wayne's yeah. his father worked with uh, thomas wayne um and in the movie calling out this the journalist being roger elliott who was murdered and you're you're kind of wondering why this character of edward nashon is so consumed by this particular investigation um so yeah because ultimately he's an orphan um that is in one of wayne enterprise's orphanages and facilities and specifically the one where thomas wayne on his mayoral trail announced project renewal for the city so 
it feels like he may be connected to Roger Elliott in some way. Yeah. That there's some connection there with, with this character, Roger Elliott. So that makes the guess that he could be Tommy Elliott, this character that turned into Hush. Hush is a character that covers up his face with bandages, similar to the way that Edward Nashton wraps people in uh, duct tape yeah. in the movie here, or the, the, similar to how he kills his victims and covers them in the duct tape. So there's definitely a possibility. Definitely. And I'd love, I would love this twist. I'd love the idea that Matt Reeves has, has laid this all out for us as fans of the the movies to think that we've just seen the Riddler in this movie and that we've got Barry Keoghan, the Irish actor, as the Joker at the end of the movie. And then the twist on it is that actually we just saw Hush throughout this movie and he's the inspiration for the real Riddler who will be played by Barry Keoghan in a future movie. I would love if that were the yeah. twist, that we're not getting to see the Joker Definitely. in the next movie. Uh, Joker seems to always be teased. If he's not in the first movie, he's teased for yeah. the next movie. I'd love if they, this tease was actually, we're teasing a different villain. You just read it slightly different. Absolutely. Yeah. And the laugh from that other cell, you know, sat in the cinema, you're going, okay, does this have that cadence? Does uh-huh. it have the manicness of of a Joker laugh? And I was kind of like thinking, I think it probably does. But it's the and fact it that went on for long laughing, enough. So, but there's yeah. so many other breadcrumbs that suggest other things. And I yeah. think, you know, is it more important about what he says to um, Edward Nashton here? Yeah. That, and I, I think, riddle me, this is the classic line from the Riddler. It is. And, and as I it say, is coming from the other cell, not from Edward Nashton's cell. And as I say, the laugh is coming from both of them. It's not the Joker laughing and Edward Nashton not knowing what's going on. Both of them are laughing about the idea that there's a possible comeback story here that Gotham's yeah. going to love. Um, and maybe they're becoming friends and maybe there will be inspiration for a future Riddler in the future. I love it. I think it's, I think it's an interesting theory. Um, I, really liked the idea of this pairing of Batman versus this character of Definitely. the Riddler in the movie. But if the theory is correct and it's hush, hey, that was just as good too, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the action beats in the movie. Not a very action-heavy version of the Batman here. No, definitely not. But there are some great moments of yeah. action in here. The opening fight sequence or the early fight sequence against the, against the gang at the train I thought was really um, realistic. It felt like he was using his massive armor as his way of taking out each of the individual uh, gang members. Yeah, definitely. And there's the the club fight as well. Yeah, where it's similar uh, kind of fighting style. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, very. It felt very traditional. You know, the, it wasn't. It was just kind of brawn, really. Yeah. And knowing that his suit can stand up to um, a, a lot. Yeah. Here. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Definitely not very action heavy, but interspersed with some good action bits. Uh, there's mm-hmm. the final, uh, there's the final scene as Gotham has flooded, where mm-hmm. the bombs have gone off. The final part of Edward Nashton's plan mm-hmm. and all his acolytes that he's brought along to take out Bella Real, the other mayoral candidate. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I loved all that with the guns and the different guns being used against the Batsuit, mm-hmm. some really knocking him out and so on, up really on the sort of 
the the vantage point where they're they're looking to sort of kill all the people that have assembled um, in this arena. Yeah. So yeah. that that was really good. Little I had suspension uh, of disbelief uh, on the batsuit's um, bulletproof capabilities. Now I get it; it's a bulletproof batsuit. Yeah. Fine, I, I can I can accept that. But as always with Batman, he does have an exposed chin. So yes, definitely one bullet. Given how many are shot at him in the movie, could have taken out Batman if uh, if it hit his chin. <laughs> I agreed, agreed. Um there's definitely the weakness in yeah. the in the bat suit. But there is one other big action sequence in the movie and this brings in one of our other major characters in the movie, the penguin. The uh, the chase scene of the penguin that we talked about a little bit earlier yes. on where we see the Batmobile in full action mode and the unrecognizable Colin Farrell playing the penguin in in the movie. Um Loved this scene, loved this this moment, loved seeing this version of the Penguin who's willing to do anything to not be caught by the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> like, the destruction that he causes on the road and the amount of people he kills in the scene to try and take out the Batman are fantastic. But the way it's filmed as well feels really, really visceral, feels really almost like something out of the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, you know, when, really good car chase. Yeah, both of them driving on the wrong side of the road and just nearly missing vehicles around them. There, are, there isn't the kind of stuff that we would have seen in Nolan's movies where Batman's pressing certain buttons in his car so he can do moves that car couldn't do uh, in in the Batmobile. Well, He's, and the car is a tank, so yeah, <laughs> it, he, <laughs> you know, this this scene here is about cars having to dodge things, yeah. about the the limitations driving the car to their their breaking point. I mean, even mm-hmm. with the Penguin, it's where he's stuck between two trucks. There's a car in front of him yeah. that he can't hurry hurry up. The Batmobile is getting closer and closer, and he decides to, you know, high stakes maneuver to knock the wheels of one of the trucks to send that mm-hmm. off to to provide the the barrier to the Batmobile, yeah. and it it's just really high stakes kind of driving, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely, and I I have to say my biggest laugh in the movie came from that scene as well, where we have. Penguin thinking that he's gotten away from it, going, I gotcha, uh, kind of thing, where he's laughing away to himself. And then we see the Batmobile explode through the fire as it's taking yes. this leap over uh, one of the exploding trucks. And then he takes out Penguin in his car, having the camera attached inside the car with Colin Farrell as it rolls over. And, and his reaction to that was really, really so good. good. So good. Just kind of, ah! Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> really good and then seeing batman walking you know all upside down and keeping that camera yeah. perspective from the car uh from uh, the penguins perspective mm-hmm. really great scene and um, the other scene and we saw it in uh nolan's is batman fighting in the dark with the gun flashes mm-hmm. again it was a, a variant on what we saw um, in Dark Knight Rises, yeah, uh, again, really, really good. Yeah, um, but I think I think Colin Farrell here as the Penguin, coming back to that, he is he's really good. He it's it's quite low key ultimately, yeah. in, in a sense. You know, it, it is him as the you know second tier mob boss, yeah. a bit like with the Gotham series, yeah. you know, where he is trying to make his way he's he's the the runner for the falcones and the baronies yeah but he knows all the information he's waiting for his moment to step up the super duper 
um, intel person because yeah. he knows all the secrets. He knows all the the, the web of linkages exactly. that that holds this all together, and he can use that as his leverage. Um, and I, I really like that version of the penguin yeah it, it does feel like something dr- directly out of gotham's uh penguin playbook uh, i love how he's directly asked questions by the batman in in the course of his investigation and he lies directly to his face you know this is this is your penguin this is the person that knows all the information but won't share it with you unless he benefits from it yeah. so uh, so it does feel very like robert lord taylor's um version of the penguin from gotham and in those in those senses a much more grimy gritty version of it and definitely colin farrell is channeling his robert de niro accent from uh, from yeah, godfather definitely. he's definitely using that accent he is totally unrecognizable we've seen colin farrell in so many movies over the years um all the way back to daredevil using his irish accent in there um we've seen him in so many other other films over over the over the years but here I don't. I don't think you could have guessed if you hadn't seen it on the poster that that's who it was. No, um, definitely. And interestingly, this, there's talk of so many spin-offs from this movie even before it was released, and now with the success that's in there and the success of Peacemaker, the spin-off of the uh, Suicide Squad, we will be getting a, sp- a TV spin-off from the Batman. The most recently rumored one is an Arkham Asylum set um, TV series, which should feature Colin Farrell as the penguin in that role yeah. so that'll be very interesting it really would it really would and i almost think that this version matt reeves version of the batman would suit a six episode tv show almost more than a sequel even though i really enjoyed this movie i'm not sure you could sustain another two and a half hour movie or three hour movie of this type again and i, I will talk about how the movie wraps up as we go along but i'm not sure you could sustain that world in in a movie again Whereas I think you could do six one-hour TV shows of this style in this world. We've seen the power of linking TV shows to the movies uh-huh. using the same cast um, for that with Marvel. Yeah. And it, it's worked a treat. We've seen it now with Peacemaker yeah. as well. So, you know, even if it's a separate storyline or continuing it to build for another Batman movie... Mm-hmm. I think it, it can really help fill in those pieces exactly. that would possibly have maybe the first 30 minutes of a new movie. Yeah. And you can explore that much more thoroughly within six hours, six episodes of 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 the TV show. Yeah. So absolutely. And unfortunately with that announcement, we did kind of make the announcement that Gotham TV podcast would be coming back because the original spinoff that was announced was supposed to be GCPD, the yeah. TV show led by Jeffrey Wright's Lieutenant Gordon. Yes. Um, that was the original announcement. That's now, unfortunately, transitioned into this idea of Arkham Asylum. After seeing the movie, I can kind of see the concept now yeah, uh, definitely. a lot more. And we did have five seasons of Gotham, which was a GCPD-based TV show. I can still hear Ben McKenzie's GCPD in my head every time I say that out loud. I could still hear his version of Jim Gordon shouting GCPD. Uh, so, yeah, you'd feel like if you had another GCPD set show you would be almost taking from play, from the playbook of Gotham in some senses, and, and you feel like you'd be treading the same ground a lot, whereas an Arkham set series with some of these these villains, some of these actors in there could be really, really interesting. I'm sure Jeffrey Wright will be in there as well. Yeah, I'm absolutely convinced. Speaking of Jeffrey Wright, um, let's go to the Allies here yeah. with Jim Gordon and Selina Kyle here yes. as Catwoman. Um, Jim Gordon here is that, you know untainted 
captain in the GCPD. Mm. Uh, the realization that everyone around him in the GCPD might not be trusted. The one who puts his trust in the Batman yeah. is the one that puts his neck on the line with his colleagues, with his superiors, mm-hmm. to maintain that channel between GCPD and uh, the Batman, yeah. bringing him into the crime scenes. Absolutely. Um, like, and I loved the... Um, I love the call out from the the forensics guy about is this not going to affect the chain of evidence? Um, <laughs> you know, because it's such an important idea, yeah. and I just really enjoyed that. I think uh, Jeffrey Wright here played Jim Gordon really, really nicely and really well. Yeah, really, you felt the support and the danger that it was putting him in, even though he didn't really come into danger. Um, mm-hmm. too much it was more about how his superiors would or wouldn't affect his his job yeah uh, and i, I really and, and the rest of the cops in the gcpd you know yeah. they, they have a real problem with him allowing the batman into the the police department because he's not he's a vigilante he's not a member of their of their team um I like how they tell that story as the as the movie goes on. Towards the end, we do see the GCPD coming on side with Batman. We see them joining with him. Um, but we had seen the former commissioner who is killed by Riddler in this movie. We see him questioning the relationship between Lieutenant Gordon and Batman. We see him pushing back, telling him to get the Batman yeah. out of here. Um, partially because, well, if the trail leads the way it's going to lead, he will be killed. Yeah. Um, so he wants the Batman out of there in case uh, he disrupts uh, that or in case he finds out what's happened and why, how he's connected. But this is the relationship I think was called out so well in The Long Halloween. I think that was my first story that I remember seeing the two of them as allies in this fight. Yeah, working Gotham. partners, you yeah. know, and... There's always been that relationship, right back to yeah. right back to the early early comics. There's always been the relationship with Gordon, but that that almost friendship, even though, as Jeffrey Wright calls out, I've never seen your face. I don't even know who you are, but I trust <laughs> yeah. you implicitly, and don't trust anybody else that I'm working with. Any of them could be corrupted by what's going on in the city of Gotham. You know, we see many members of the GCPD working for and with. Um, Sal Maroney and Falcone. So, uh, so there's no one around him that he can trust. Also, great scene from Jeffrey Wright where he's left alone for two minutes with Batman and is in his face telling him, punch me in the face, here's the key, walk yeah. out the left door there, down the hole, and out, the, out at the end of the hole to get out uh, of the building. Uh, and then that all plays out and everybody thinks that Gordon's trying to convince Batman to walk away. Yeah, really good scene, yeah. um, really nicely played. Yeah, And the subtlety of that scene is really good. And seeing the rest of the GCBD looking in at what's going on, it, it looks like that conversation where, that they're having, but in, in reality, Jim Gordon is telling him how to escape here and, yeah. and to take the key. So, yeah, I, Gordon's in a... I think this is a really nice visualization of him. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly compared to some of the... Maybe the last two or three Batmans, where I think Commissioner Gordon has just had that moment of he's... he's on top of GCPD yeah. with the bat symbol. Here, Jeffrey Wright is much more engaged, yeah. much more of this partner and yeah. ally within the GCPD. 
and much more involved than I think we've seen recently. And I, I guess JK, that makes that's sense. That's J.K. Simmons' version of, of, uh, yeah. of Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. You know, the other Batmans, their focus has been on Justice League or yeah. uh, V Superman. It, it, it's not been this detective side which or the Batman's, will immediately yeah. bring in the elements of GCPD, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of that investigation. Well, we haven't had a Batman solo well. film since Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So, you know, this is the first Batman solo film and his his cast around him are really important. It does also lead to uh, the other sequence, I suppose, the escape from the GCPD of Batman where he uses a flight suit or a wingsuit, um, which he attaches to himself. I love the gadget. I think it's really cool where he's able to just zip it up and turn his bat suit into a wingsuit and he flies off. But I also love the comedy in it that he's hasn't used it very often. Um, it's really dynamic a uh, shot of it going through the city, he looks for his landing spot, he lands on top of a bus, almost, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> falls off the side, hits a car, and then limps off into the distance. So, again, two years into the Batman, so he's still learning some of these gadgets that he's built for himself, which is which is important for this character. Yeah, yeah. it's a nice it's a nice little touch, actually. Yeah, yeah and also, in, in terms of learning, you know, the, the other ally here in Catwoman, mm-hmm. in Selina Kyle, you know, begins to get him thinking about, you know, other human interaction effectively. Absolutely. And I think Catwoman here, um, played by Zoe Kravitz, mm-hmm. is just really on point. I love, love it. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the hustler at the Iceberg Lounge, mm-hmm. uh, which, again, great call out that we have the Iceberg Lounge. Absolutely. Her friend who's gone missing or possibly lover um, in the Russian girl that was um, identified within the, the pictures. Annika, yeah. Annika uh, from the first crime scene yeah. uh, with the murder of the, the current mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked how that integrates her into Batman's investigation, but that, yes, she ends up being an ally, but she's also like, don't push me around. This is me trying to find out what's happened to Annika. Absolutely. And if this is, I'm not doing this for you. There's the great moment of her being given the, the tech, um, contact lenses yep. so that he can see everything in the iceberg lounge and then the club within the club mm-hmm. where the big mobsters and the, you know, the big public figures meet. Yeah. And in the end, she just takes it out because, yep. um, look, and stop ordering me around effectively. Um, I, I'm, I'm not your servant. I'm yeah. not Alfred effectively. Yeah. Uh, so I really liked everything that um, Zoe Kravitz brought to this role. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I love, again, another callback to the comic book origins or the, and the, the movement, the games and, and movies versions of Catwoman. I love, she's always trying to leave Gotham. <laughs> it's it's yeah, something yeah. really central to the character. That's the, the first moment that she goes back and, and meets her, her partner, Annika in the apartment. It's let's get out of here. That's the first time uh, there's an impetus for the character. And from then on, for the rest of the movie, she's trying to leave Gotham. <laughs> she's not here to save anybody. She's not here to save everybody else. She's here to save herself and her, her partner uh, from the start. And then when she finds out her partner's dead, the mission is still 
I need to get the money to get myself out of the city. So yeah, uh, really enjoyed that. Um, loved her her motorbike and and his motorbike. I loved those uh, those scenes. The uh, the the mo- moment where she tries to get the money back from Penguin and his gang, uh, Falcone's money uh, from them. I love that she has a good fight sequence in there as well. Uh, takes out one yeah. of his henchmen uh, to, and take and does get one of the bags of money to to get herself out of there. I thought that was really good. Um, and the final moment, the the choice effectively that Batman has to make: does he protect his city, or does he go with this uh, this new partner? Does he go off with her to a new life outside of Gotham? How that's shown on screen the 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 final scene of her going out of the city, going to Bloodhaven, possibly uh, another very uh, big city in comic books, but where she's riding out of the city and he follows her all the way out and then they have the junction in the road really yeah. symbolic junction in the road where she takes a left to leave the city and he takes the right to go yeah, and become his true self in the city i thought it was really really well used to have this character as important to the movie as she was she's the one that calls out his privilege as a character the person born to a huge amount of money therefore he can take on this project that he has to save gotham she has been fighting tooth and nail from the beginning uh, of her life to get everything that she has. Yeah. And I like that she makes him question, like every other character and every other interaction that he has in the movie, that it gets Batman to question who he should be in this world. Absolutely. And it's just a subtlety around this character because, or, or, I mean, you could argue maybe not so subtle. Yes, you know, she has the cats, but she's not known as Catwoman. Mm. You know, she does know how to break a safe. Yeah, but the, the the outfit is sleek, like a cat. the The hood of her, it's the hat that she has has the very subtle notion of cat ears. Yeah, but she's not called out as the cat woman. It, this is Selena Kyle. Yeah. She hasn't yet formed that persona. Yeah, um, consciously. And explicitly as the Catwoman. And she, I really like that. Yeah, although she does call out, you know, the bat and the cat traveling together. I like no, the exactly. sound of that. It, but it's in that, you know, it, it's in that final moment yeah. um, of her saying the bat and the cat. Yeah. But it, it's not it's not really there in the rest of the scenes. It's her finding out about Onika and, you know, the symbols around her leading to the cat yeah and it's it, almost like she's looking at him going well if you're going to call yourself batman well i could call myself catwoman i suppose yeah, yeah. you know one final thing for me on uh, on catwoman on selena kyle um i'm a cat owner i'm not too sure whether if i was a motorbike rider as well whether i'd put my cat into a box <laughs> on the side of it and she had many cats yes. so i would presume there's a box on either side of the bike i presume those are full of multiple cats. <laughs> um, Maybe. I, I think you'd, you'd probably get quite a lot of screaming from those cats. On the I would say so right next to the exhaust, <laughs> um, for sure. Interesting, interesting. I'd, I'd love to know, do people, is there a box that you could put on the side of a motorbike to, to, carry, a, to carry a cat? I, I presume there is. Uh, or carry a pet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pet box. Maybe not specifically cats. But anyway, uh, yeah, really, really like Zoe Kravitz in this role. Will we go on to the final wrap-up of the movie? Um, our final point on Batman, John. Yes. Batman stands for hope. 
this is what the movie has been all about. It's telling us the story of Batman as being the avatar of vengeance in Gotham, the person that is after the criminals, taking out as many as he can and scaring the rest of them into not doing bad things in future because maybe the Batman will come out of the darkness, out of the shadows and take them yeah. out. By the end of this film, he's realized that he can be something else. It can be inspiration and hope for the people of Gotham because that's also a way to make Gotham better is to show them there's someone there to help them and save them, not just someone there to punish the punish the criminals and villains of Gotham. I love this. I love this idea. I think it's, it's something that we saw almost at the opposite of what we saw at the end of The Dark Knight where Christopher Nolan's Batman is saying, I will be the villain to the people of Gotham so they can have something to root against was the concept that Christopher Nolan landed on at the end of his second movie here. It was the journey from attempting mm. being the symbol of hope yeah. or using someone else as the symbol of hope yeah, for sure um, and that not working out. yeah. And you're right, it, it, becoming the villain for the people of Gotham yeah. uh, if he needs to be. But it, it's, it's the fluidity of what the concept can be and it, mm-hmm. it, it comes in here as well, as you say, with him being very much... I am vengeance at the start with ultimately him recognizing, yes, he can be something else. It's yeah. not um, a one trick pony. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he saves the new mayor, Bella Real. Um, he, he saves the people trapped in the floodwaters yeah. and, and that, you know, you don't need to be afraid of me sort yeah. of reaching out with his hand, that symbolic element and leading them to safety. And I really like that shot of him with the flare and them following him yeah. to get to higher ground out of the floodwater. And I even um, like that touch of the, of the lady that's, um, that's pulled out of the, uh, of, of the, the massive explosion effectively. And she reaches out for some reassurance before she gets taken off by the, the hospital helicopter. She reaches out for reassurance from the Batman that yeah. she's okay. You know, it's, it's a really nice change for the character by the end of the movie and that's what i was talking about earlier on this idea of doing spin-offs now of the batman movie into these six or seven episode shows or whatever they're going to be in that darker version of this batman movie i think is great but we have a different batman at the end of the movie than we had at the start yes we have a batman that you feel at least is going to start exploring the Bruce Wayne and the, uh, the ability that Bruce Wayne will give him in the future of Gotham to, uh, to be able to use Wayne enterprises in a different way, the way his father may have intended in the past and be able to use Batman as some, as a symbol of hope for the people that he's trying to save within Gotham, not just a, a figure of punishment for the criminals. Yeah. And it's almost, as you say, it's almost him becoming the Thomas Wayne that we know from some of the earlier Batmans mm-hmm. and the other, storylines of that character being the philanthropic and um, medical um billionaire that, oh, yeah. that uses it for good yeah. and that that is how he sees that he can um implement the project renewal or in a, something entirely different that yeah. he's learnt and you know from the mistakes or just the the way his father has been and so yeah it it is definitely different here and i I think it's a great journey that we get uh for this character yeah and hopefully he's going to be a lot kinder to alfred in the future as well yes let's hope (laughs) yes yeah there was there was that moment when he learns the history of his family from falcone who lies to him and says sal moroni was the one that killed his family and then he goes and instantly confronts alfred who's 
been blown up and yeah, he's in hospital. By the Riddler. You know, he's in hospital, he's recovering and he challenges Alfred, the person that's been taking care of him for 20 years since his parents um, were murdered and challenges Alfred and goes, you lied to me for this whole time. You could have told me who it was that killed my parents. You could have told me how they were involved in the Falcone Moroni yeah. um, and, and what they were what they were doing with them. And Alfred kind of goes, um, but he lied to you. He's the one that killed your parents. You know, you kind of think that after all those years, there would be a little bit of trust between Bruce and Alfred. But it seems like Bruce is, is willing to take on the opinion of someone that he doesn't deal with a known criminal um you feel like he's taking on that opinion of him uh, again to- it's, it's to the inward closed mm-hmm. nature of being just batman that he you know it, it, it's that it's almost as though alfred is as separate as falco yeah. is yeah. here um i mean not totally but it's it's just he's shut everyone off. Exactly, exactly. That's kind of how the this version of the movie ends with, uh, with for Batman. Anyway, um, we've already talked about that kind of uh, end credit scene with the introduction of uh, of possible Joker, maybe the Riddler uh, in, in the future. We'll see how that how that plays out. Any other notes about the movie you want to talk about? Anything? And um, the only thing for me is Barry Keoghan as the neighboring cellmate to um, Edward Nashton and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just couldn't, I didn't even know it was him. I, I yeah. really couldn't figure it out. And I, you know, I was trying to see, you know, did did it have the smile? Mm. What was the voice? Um, and certainly with the laugh. So, you know, that was a nice hidden um, bit of casting that, yeah. for me. I uh, really, Kelly, yeah. really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's so interesting to have um, the Penguin played by an Irish actor and now also possibly the joker played by another irish actor in this movie we're starting to get the the reputation like the british had um 15 years ago where brits only play uh, bad guys in movies now it's uh, only irish people can play bad guys in uh, in batman movies <laughs> there you go there you go but great to see great to see perry Hogan in there uh, great to see colin farrell in uh, in the movie as well uh one one little touch i wanted to call out um the twins who are the bouncers on iceberg lounge yes um the only twins I know in Batman, uh, Batman mythos, let's say, um, are Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Tweedledee yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of loved. There's a little pause when Penguin's saying, "Oh, you met the twins." Um, when he's saying that to to Batman, where I was expecting him to call them out as Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Uh, very different looking to uh, to comic book characters, but, but you know, a little Tweedledum and Tweedledee. They weren't I the guess. smartest no. tools in the, in the really, toolbox, were they? There's a nice little gag as well through yeah. through all of this. Yeah. I, li- I like that as bouncers, every time somebody knocks on the door, they close the door in their face and then open it again as they consult with each other on whether they let somebody <laughs> in or not. I thought that was quite quite a fun little touch. But uh, but I, I, again, I like I like those how this is built into this world. Finally, I do want to call out because we didn't really mention we have mentioned Falcone throughout the discussion of the movie overall but i want to kind of call out how brutal falcone is in this movie and what he's done over the course of his history like the reveal of the connection with thomas wayne and the criminal underworld is what's important to batman and important to the story but this falcone has murdered everyone that has gotten closer everyone that has uh, has tried to um turn on him from the beginning we hear he's actually the father of selena kyle we hear that he strangled and killed her mother. Yeah. He killed her partner, her, her best friend. Um, he's the one that strangled her and killed her. And he's trying to do the same thing to Selena when he gets stopped. Yeah. Um, but he's a very brutal character he in this really world. He really is. Yeah. He's not the godfather sitting back at the table sending his minions out to do his work. He's the one that's that's taking 
all of these women out around him that could possibly cause him problems in the Dare future. Dare I say it, he's a hands-on kind of man. Yeah. He is. He, yeah. he will do what is necessary to protect his reputation, yeah. his interests, and certainly when it comes out that he is the rat as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And uh, I, I do like his takedown as well, where you think it's one of his thugs that has taken him out. Mm-hmm. Um uh, once they realize that he is the rat, uh, but it is from the sniper shot from uh, Edward Nashton. Yes, pull him into the light and yes. that will be revealed effectively. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's uh, I, I just wanted to call out him as a him as a character. I thought he was a really good version of Falcone in this uh, in this world. We've seen the mob version in Batman so many times. It's, uh, it's an interesting and a good take uh, on the character. So I think that's uh, about it. Yeah. Uh, so Derek, how would you rate the Batman? I really enjoyed this. This is a top quality Batman movie. It is three hours, and I don't want to stress enough that it does feel like three hours at times. It does feel like because you're going through a procedural or a detective story, it does feel very methodical, and it feels like you're spending a long, long amount of time. But Batman movies are known to be long. You know, it's this is not unusual. It does have moments, though, in that last half hour particularly, where you feel like, people are saying goodbye for longer than you would expect them to. It feels like that Lord of the Rings Return of the King thing where that last half hour could be shortened if you didn't want to spend more time with these characters. I can imagine there are some people that were in the cinema an hour and a half into this movie going, oh, I hope it finishes up soon. And another hour and a half later, we're ready to leave. (laughs) I I can see that. But overall, this is a really interesting story on the Batman. And I think the right amount of time was given to the characters and exploring this storyline of Batman's movement from a character of Bruce Wayne who's hopeless in himself and wants to do vengeance on the criminals of the city to being a hopeful Batman with a much brighter future for himself as a human, as a person living in this environment. And it's only through the interactions that he has with a villain who thinks he's the inspiration for him with a possible partner in selena kyle who sees the goodness in him and with a friend like jim gordon who sees him as the white knight of gotham who sees him as the only dependable person in this city that is yeah. weaved in and out and with, that baseline with of an unwavering alfred um, absolutely you know even though he's not appreciated you you know in that sense yeah exactly so i think it's a great story have to shout out the music by michael giancino as well you know the use of nirvana's um, something in the way is works really well for this character of uh, of Batman, this more emo version of Batman. Uh, yes, he does have the uh, the nineties uh, dark dyed black hair. The uh, the eyeliner in there works really well for uh, for this version of Batman. But the incorporation of that Nirvana song into the actual Batman theme works really well. You feel like you're about to hear the song for the third time. The opening strains of chords of something in the way and it's moving into your Batman theme. I think that works so well for Michael Geek. Yeah. Really, really good job. So uh, another thing we hadn't called out in this uh, in this podcast that I wanted to make sure I got in. Uh, but overall, yeah, when I really enjoyed this. I don't want to put them up against the Nolan trilogy. I love the Nolan trilogy. I've watched it so many times that they're unassailable as their own trilogy. But I, do, I did want to see a new Batman solo movie and Matt Reeves has done a great job yeah. of doing another great entry into the Batman universe with this version of Batman. Great job. Great job. How about yourself, John? What's your overall feelings on 
the Batman. Yeah, I, I love this. I, I'd give it four and a half uh, riddle cards to the Batman out of five. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I absolutely get your point. You know, it is a long movie and it's really kind of procedural around the, the detective story. But I, that's mm. what I really, really like. I love that we got the Batman. It was about the Batman. Bruce Wayne being sort of linked just very loosely around that, you know, out of sight. Um, yeah. The obsession, the, the cutoff that has happened with Bruce Wayne because of being the Batman. Mm. Um, I love the visceral, real nature of it. And, you know, and the bad guy and the good guy are kind of interchangeable, really, and, and it hangs on a thread. It, it It's the arc of this storyline, which is Gotham is in absolute darkness, yeah. including the person who's trying to save it. Mm-hmm. And just at the end, it isn't, you know, the clouds lift and the sun comes through. It's literally there is a very small crack of light that is yeah. being shed yeah. uh, onto, um, onto Gotham through... The, the change that's, and the, or the realization from the Batman. Yeah. Um, that he isn't just that. There is Bruce Wayne as well. Mm-hmm. I, I love that they didn't concentrate on the backstory and did it through the Murr's kid mm-hmm. and also through just the project renewal and, and seeing that it was integrated like that, that we didn't get another uh, walk down the alleyway, you know, um, yeah. to be honest. No or, more crime alley. No, no more, more crime alley. Or, yeah. I thought that was really good. Loved all the the actors around the Batman, mm-hmm. um, as, you, and as, as you've mentioned them. Um, and I just, I just think this has a real great um, feel, vibe, and I, I love Paul Dano here as the Riddler. You know, uh-huh. it, it's not really until that cafe scene and then the prison scene in in GCPD and then Arkham that you really, you know, see the acting chops of Paul Dano. I mean, sure. yes, you do throughout the whole of it, but he is he's he's not in scenes where he can chew them up exactly. Um, it's not until that moment, and I, I just I love the Riddler character. So having this as a central idea, not always defaulting to the Joker, and this is where I do hope that Barry Keoghan is possibly the real Riddler here be so in, in Arkham. I think yeah. it'd just be such a great twist. You know, I get it. The Joker's important. He's an amazing character yeah. and foil um with the batman yeah but i just feel some of the other bad guys are so iconic as well like the riddler like the penguin yeah um like mad hatter even you know i love these characters yeah. i mean even with the flooding of gotham i was hoping to see killer croc sort of swimming <laughs> around as well i love killer croc um but i really hope they kind of if they do introduce the Joker at some point, that it's not in the next movie, that it doesn't immediately go into that dynamic again, because there's other dynamics of Batman that come out with other, the other foils to his character that bring the other side of him out. 
or a different side of him. And I think here with an Edward Nashton and the Riddler, or it, it, it just it brings out it. it it brings out something different from the Batman, and I yeah. think it really allows for more of the detective side of things. Absolutely. Um, so I I really enjoyed this this movie, um, and yeah, four and a half uh, Riddler cards to the Batman out of five. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, really, really good film. Um, I can't wait to see it again. Really looking forward to it. Uh, one final uh, word on our experience going to the cinema. I did feel like our whole family group was a bit downtrodden at the end of the movie. They all said they enjoyed it, but everybody felt like they'd gone through a full experience for those three Definitely. hours. Definitely. Uh, without a doubt. So, um, so I'm not sure if that was a, a great family day out. Uh, <laughs> we're all Batman fans. We've all seen all the Batman movies, and we all uh, said we've enjoyed this film as well. It's a heavy film. It's a heavy film. It is Definitely. a heavy film. I think I think head on to a comedy afterwards. Maybe watch the full series of Peacemaker uh, directly afterwards or something <laughs> yeah. like that. <laughs> Excellent. Will we talk about a little bit of f- feedback that we got in from Definitely. our wonderful Gothamites? Yes. First up, we have some feedback over on our Facebook group. Head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Uh, first up, Richard Blaze. Uh, he says, I've had this written for the past week, waiting on you guys to see it before posting. Minor spoilers below if anyone's not seen it yet. I've been reading Batman for almost 40 years, and for me, this movie, The Batman, is near perfection as to how I imagined him to be. Mm-hmm. Prior to getting into the comics, my only experience of Batman, as I'm sure was others, was the 1966 version and thought it was fun and silly, but I wasn't really blown away by the characters. The first Batman comic I read, and I can't remember the name of it, had Batman and Robin being terrorized in their back cave, with booby traps being set and messages being sent by someone who clearly knew the identities of them both. During the story, Batman and Robin investigate what's going on at the Batcave, as well as still looking after Gotham. In the end, and spoilers, it turns out it's Bruce Wayne threatening them because Batman is spending too much time in the cape and cowl and not allowing Bruce to live his life. Mm. My approximate 10-year-old brain was blown away at this psychological take on a comic character and loved how the story unfolded like a detective tale. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky or unlucky to be old enough to remember the time when Batman was becoming the Dark Knight with the original series of Year One, The Dark Knight. And it was great to spend so much time in my local comic shop reading these tales. I just wish I'd bought them. when batman 89 was released i spent three hours queuing to get in i still wasn't first in the queue something that still annoys me today and whilst i enjoyed it there wasn't enough batman in it for me batman returns gave us a bit more batman but it was underpinned with odd placed comedy and some seriously dark tones Mm -hmm. batman forever i saw with my then-girlfriend, now-wife, and though I really didn't like the neon version of Gotham or the overtop villains, it felt there was a decent film to be had behind all of that. Mm-hmm. Batman and Robin, there are literally no words. <laughs> In between all of these, I was hooked on the Batman, the animated series, and spin-off films. Mm-hmm. Batman Begin was released during the year I got married, so it took my wife long to see it. She promptly fell asleep about halfway through, but suddenly I was hopeful again that I might see more Batman on the big screen. The Dark Knight was very, 
Very good. I do feel it suffers from an overburden of story arcs and set pieces, but it's still enjoyable and one film I find really difficult to skip if I happen upon it. Totally agree. The Dark Knight Rises, not the best of the three, as the time jump and having Batman retire spoils his overall mission of saving Gotham, and he's barely in it, which frustrates me. And whilst the Nolan trilogy is good, I've always thought it comes across as a very white middle-class Batman in Gotham. You never really see the dirt or the violence that is happening. You never feel that the residents are in danger. And of course, my beloved Gotham. I could write many, many posts about why I loved it and still do. Mm -hmm. But back to the Batman. For me, it finally gave me what I wanted. Batman front and centre and in almost every scene, doing what he does best, investigating. Not using daft gadgets or souped-up pieces of space-age equipment, but breaking codes and looking for links. Mm -hmm. Each character felt like they were straight from the comics. The Riddler was finally a menacing, unhinged villain on screen, rather than a leotard-wearing numpty. (laughs) Though, doubt he will win any awards for his singing voice. Absolutely. (laughs) Just like Chris. Gordon was brooding, tired, wary, and on the edge of quitting. Yeah. Catwoman was straight from year one. Her Mm. look, her speech, her mannerisms were straight off the page. Totally. Penguin, straight from the Arkham games, and a real devious behind-the-scenes kind of character. Yeah. Been listening to the Joe Pistone, Donny Brasco podcasts, and how the Mafia operated in the 1970s and 1980s. And these kinds of wise guys in Gotham with Falcone felt like they were straight from that era. Absolutely. Gotham finally felt like this living, breathing cesspool of crime, injustice, and just downright wrong-uns. The music was so on the money to have it pump out at every opportunity and to build in intensity as he arrives really gives that sense of dread. Currently on repeat in my car. Nice. (laughs) My only minor point I didn't need was the surprise cameo near the end. It felt too much of a forced scene, especially as one of the earlier scenes with this character was cut. So it didn't really flow for me and wasn't needed to take the shine from Riddler. As I said at the beginning, for me, it perfectly captured how I imagined Batman to be. Totally loved it, as you can probably tell by the length of this post. So I best shut up now and allow you to read other views. (laughs) Thank you, Richard. Uh, No need to shut up at all. It is great getting your history uh, and love for this character mm. down through the ages uh, <laughs> the ages <John>. like <laughs> well, a you know, years. <laughs> um, f- for sure and then just how this movie um really connects in Absolutely. with your own view of what the batman gives and i'm totally in with you around the investigative making the links making the connections mm-hmm. and i think it's something that the riddler can do so well just because of how he goes about doing his own crime which is laying those breadcrumbs to be thought through considered linked together to yeah. get what the the crime is all about and who is responsible here and uh, so yeah, definitely. Um, really uh, get your 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 feeling around the the Batman as a detective. Absolutely, and I, I think, as I say, I I know what you're saying around bringing you know potentially the Joker in that cell scene. Yeah, and I'm kind of with you in a sense, as mentioned there just on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I I really hope they would maybe just 
you know, pushed the Joker to one side for um, a, a trilogy of Batman movies yeah. and have it about some of his other villains, and in particular the Riddler. I'm a massive Riddler fan. I know, yes. And the only thing I would say is possibly, just possibly, the real Riddler is in the cell next to uh, Edward Nashton. Hush. Yes. Or hush. <laughs> yes, I, I would love that idea. Who knows? Uh, Richard, so great to hear from you. We know you've been listening to us right the way back to our Gotham days. Thanks so much for staying with us as well. And thanks for holding off on, the, on sending in um, your thoughts until uh, we'd seen the movies. Great to, great to hear your thoughts. I wonder, did uh, did Richard's wife go with him to this movie? Or did she, did he know that she since she fell asleep during... Um, Batman, Batman begins. begins yeah. that maybe this wasn't. The but she could her. have had a good old snooze in this one as well. So <laughs> um, you never know. Yes, she might have. She might have fallen asleep on this one. Uh, thanks so much, Richard. Yeah, thanks so much, Richard. We also have some feedback from Mike Malone, also on our Facebook group. He says, I really enjoyed it so much, Batman, so little Bruce Wayne. I believe that will balance out in future installments as he learns that hiding behind the mask of billionaire Bruce can be as helpful to Gotham as the Bat. The performances were all top-notch. Standouts for me were Zoe Kravitz and Jeffrey Wright, as was the design, direction, score, and action. Was it too long? My bladder says maybe, but I'm not <laughs> sure what I'd cut from the movie. My teenage daughter is really connected with the white male privilege aspect of the story and Selena's point of view. I appreciate that we can walk away from the same movie with different takeaways, but the same ultimate enjoyment from the story. I hope future installments follow Bruce's growth while continuing to explore Batman's relationship to Gotham and diving deeper into his rogues gallery. Big thumbs up from my household. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, there's so much here to chew on, isn't there? I think that's that's one of the great things about the movie being as long as it is. You know, it's only it only feels long the first time you watch a movie. I always find that the next time you watch it, it's kind of oh, I find more things to explore. I can focus in, in, in into certain sections of the movie next time. So with a movie like this, this uh, this three hour version of the movie, it'll be interesting to to see it again and 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 take more time over over it myself. Yeah, absolutely, and yes. I think it's great that the different views coming out of this uh, from and still enjoying the film. Yeah. It's it, it shows the quality of the film Absolutely. for sure. And totally with you again around diving deeper into the rogues gallery of Batman. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, there's so much potential there and um, beyond just the phenomenal potential that you can get from the Joker. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm hoping that laugh is maybe not indicative of, <laughs> of it being the Joker. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks so much, Mike. Absolutely. I know. I know you mentioned the movie is long, and there. Uh, and I know Richard mentioned about some scenes that were cut from the final version of the movie. And um, there was an interesting story this week about Matt Reeves that he was also filming scenes. Um, in, to hide certain characters in the movie. So, for example, with Barry Keoghan, who possibly plays the Joker at the end of the movie, he actually filmed scenes with him as a GCPD uh, officer to put people off the trail that he could potentially be the Joker in a future Batman movie. So while there are some scenes that were cut from the movie, there are also some scenes filmed for the movie to hide the identity of certain characters, which is so interesting in yeah, this world of, really of knowing that people have cameras uh, as they're walking past outdoor scenes and are taking photographs of characters, uh, you know, on the set because they don't want to spoil the story you know the idea that you would spend money filming scenes and writing scenes and lighting them and acting in them yeah absolutely. just to cover up who somebody could be is really interesting as well so whether we get a a um 
Zack Snyder type cut of this where it's five hours long and loads of extra scenes are put into the movie or whether all of those scenes are just going to be on a Blu-ray showing you the kind of things that Matt Reeves filmed um, to not yeah. to, to to hide the identity of characters that'll be quite interesting yeah. too hopefully it's the second it, it's the the outtakes or the you know deleted scenes yes um, yes yeah hopefully but if there's more to add to the story i'd be happy watching it as well so thanks for your feedback mike yeah thanks so much mike uh, ben rush also says quite simply this is the batman film i've always hoped for it's as if Ridley Scott went straight from Blade Runner and made Batman. Oh, yes, yeah. I can definitely see that the atmosphere created around Gotham, uh, the the damp, rainy, mm-hmm. dark, um, dirty atmosphere of Gotham. Yeah, totally. Uh, definitely, yeah, feels uh, Blade Runner-y in that sense, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. And, uh, yeah, another another long-term fan of of Gotham and uh, Batman there as well, Ben. Great to hear from you. We also have some feedback from Russell Hooper, who said, not bad, not as good as the Dark Knight trilogy, better than anything done in the 90s, and better than Batman v Superman. Pattinson was a good Batman. He made me think of a younger Batfleck, but I didn't like him as Bruce Wayne. I hate that they made Gotham New York City. New York is Metropolis, and Gotham is Chicago. Why can't these filmmakers understand this? Catwoman was fine, but her mask was stupid. A cut-up ski mask? Really? I liked Penguin. This movie was more of a psychological thriller than a superhero movie. This makes me like the Riddler. Can't wait for the Joker. I really wish it was the actor from Gotham playing him. Gordon was good. The actor did a fine job. Other than the New York thing, this was a decent movie. It was about half an hour too long, though. I'd give it a seven, maybe an eight. I'd only pay to see it again in the cinema if I was going with a group of friends who haven't seen it. Otherwise, I'll wait for streaming. Thanks, Russell. That's really interesting that you say that. You know, I had never, ever thought of Metropolis as being New York. I'd always thought of Metropolis as being Washington. That's why Clark Kent being a news reporter, he's reporting on the government, he's reporting on politics, he's reporting on all the big things that go on in the capital city of the country. And... I always thought Gotham being New York City because traditionally New York is actually known as Gotham from the 1800s. It's been known as Gotham. So I always thought that that was the connection. But of course, in the DC universe, the capital cities are kind of interchangeable. Uh, At times in the comic books, it can be a specific city. At times, it's just the DC universe version of of uh, of a particular city in in the country of of uh, of the usa so um so it, it's interesting that you would think that it is chicago i know that it's that that has been used as a stand-in in the nolan films i think he used yeah uh, he used chicago yeah, he used chicago um so it that's that's really interesting i didn't think that this gotham was directly connected to new york in fact yeah. in the joker i think it was directly connected to new york whereas here it did feel like it was the first time i've seen gotham on screen as its own city. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt this um, was very much Gotham for me, but I do know where Russell is coming from because, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's actually towards the end with the the shots, or at least it was for me, mm-hmm. the the shots before the the vans explode as the final part of the Riddler act. Yeah, um, that that sort of wise view of. I guess Manhattan Island and mm-hmm. um, definitely I thought it looked like New York. It, it reminded me of the Dark Knight Rises when Nolan transferred it from Chicago yes. to, to New York. The bridges that to give the, the city island stuff, yeah. element where it was yeah. being cut off. So yeah. I, I, it was only then that I really saw the, 
the um the New York side of the um location mm-hmm. setting. Yeah. But I think it's probably been done in a number of different locations, but otherwise I definitely felt it was New York, you know, however they added on with visual effects the the base location of wherever mm-hmm. they were, it really gave that sense. Yeah. I think um and certainly with Russell um, around this being a, a psychological thriller, and mm-hmm. um, you know, with a superhero at its heart doing the detective work, well, and yeah. certainly for me, uh, uh, like with Russell, um, you know, I think this is what the Riddler as a protagonist gives in a lot of respects. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it's a little bit more kind of thought through rather than just being crazy sort of uh you know a grenade with the the pin taken out a bit like the joker yeah i mean i'm looking forward to the joker but i actually wish as mentioned on the podcast yeah. that they possibly just don't utilize him in this and let's yeah. just see what some of the other batman protagonists what storylines they can um can, can uh generate for potential other movies or indeed tv shows yeah uh, for sure and on the Catwoman mask, I, I think it's because of the early stage. So I actually really liked how, you know, it's not a fully formed Catwoman mask yes, like you have with the Batman. This was Selina really being Catwoman before she knew it herself. It's only really at the end of this movie, as you're saying, you know, where she says, well, you're the bat, I could be the cat, mm-hmm. where possibly that's beginning to take hold and whereby she might actually decide to take on that persona and then have the fully formed um, cat suit effectively. Yeah. So yeah. I think um, I, I like the rough and ready look of Catwoman in this because yeah. ultimately she wasn't really Catwoman yet. Exactly, exactly. A cat suit and a ski mask uh, worked really well for me too. Uh, thanks so much, Russell, for your thoughts. Yeah, thanks so much, Russell. And thanks everyone else for your feedback. If you want to send us any feedback, we'd love to hear your thoughts about the Batman, even though we have finished our podcast about it. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the Batman. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop it over to our group on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. There's a spoiler post up for the Batman, so you can share your thoughts in there um, with our fellow Gothamites. Yes. Uh, remember, fellow Gothamites, you can subscribe to the podcast over at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh-huh. Please share the podcast because sharing the podcast is sharing the love. Yep. We are also on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash tvpodcastindustries mm-hmm. and over on Buy Me A Coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash tvpi. Any support um, is very much appreciated, whether it is through Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee but importantly through your support of subscribing and listening and sharing the podcast to other fellow Gothamites. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of Gotham, we will be back with Alfred Pennyworth for Pennyworth Season 3 later this year, coming to Epics and HBO Max for the first time later this year, Pennyworth Season 3. Uh, so we will be back in the Batverse, let's say. Um, we are also covering on our main feed, we're covering Star Trek Picard Season 2 at the moment, which has been really, really good. We also recently covered The Boys Diabolical, animated adult violent uh, show from uh, from Prime Video. Uh, we'll be covering Season 3 of The Boys, which just had its trailer out this week as well, over on our main feed on TV Podcast Industries. Yes, that is back in June, and yeah. at the end of March, uh, Defenders TV Podcast mm. on Marvel Counterpart. Uh, we'll be delving into 
uh, Moon Knight. Yes. yes. Sometimes stupidly called Marvel's Batman, but he really isn't any connection no. to Batman. It'll be Very really different. interesting to see Marvel's take on a street-level vigilante on Disney+, Plus because we've had lots of street-level um, Marvel characters over on Netflix, but this will be their first opportunity to have a street-level pretty violent character yes. uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, let's say. Yes. Uh, but fellow Gothamites, thank you so much for joining us. Mm-hmm. It is, as always, a great pleasure discussing all things Gotham, all things Batman with you. Uh, remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep brooding. I am Vengeance. Bye. 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 <laughs>